Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everybody doing? All right, Jeff, after today, I, I, I can use a drink. How about you? Absolutely. So I mentioned this is going to be a very special episode. Um, so today, our main point of topic is going to be Michael Cohen's testimony in front of the uh, House Oversight Committee, and we'll get to that in just a second, but... Again, this is the Drinking Liberally podcast, so we're not going to do this without the aid of some handy alcohol. So let's jump into that. What are you drinking today, Jeff? I have the Party Crasher India Pale Ale, uh, 5.5% by volume. Um, this is actually brewed pretty locally here to Jersey City. Um, this is a LIC beer project, so Long Island, Queens, Queens, New York. Um, really good. I mean, it's a little bit hoppy for for my general taste, but I actually really enjoy this beer. Um Probably of the, the hoppier beers that we've tried on this, this has been my, my favorite. So uh, great job. Great job by you guys. <laughs> and I'm drinking today the Swiftwater IPA, also from New York. Uh, this is from the Swiftwater Brewing Company in Rochester. Again, it's an IPA. It's got a little bit of melon and grapefruit to it, but subtle enough. It's not overwhelming. Uh, it is pretty hoppy, though. Uh, again, right up my alley. I'm always a big IPA guy, so... This is a, a good one. This is also 6.8% alcohol, which is kind of what we need today with uh, this discussion we're about to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was actually thinking about a, a beer that we had the other day. Uh, I think it was from Evil Twin Brewing. The um, Was it? The Pure and Simple IPA is rarely pure and never simple. Correct. And I think that would have been a perfect beer for today. It would have really hammered home the <laughs> the metaphor there. Yeah, this was not a, a clear and simple day. It was uh, riveting to watch. I mean... A lot of times these oversight committee hearings can be a little on the boring side, but this one got testy, especially at the end. And uh, we got a lot to talk about from it. Uh, because of that, I think we're just, this is what we're talking about today. That's why you're getting a special edition. Yeah, uh, this topic. was definitely worth, uh, worth diving into a little bit. For those of you that weren't able to watch the all-day affair that just wrapped up, uh, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former personal attorney and fixer, sat in front of the House Oversight Committee today to answer questions from Democrats and Republicans alike. And he came out firing in his opening statement. He uh, flat out called the president a racist, a con man, and a cheat right in his opening statement. And that's some pretty uh, fire words there coming from his former attorney. And depending on what side you're leaning on, if you're a Democrat, you're probably taking a lot of what he's saying at face value. If you're a Republican, you think this is just a dog and pony show that's useless. Uh, where do you fall on this, Jeff? Well, I kind of uh, fall in line with what Cohen said at one point during a testimony and when the Republicans are really checking his credibility, which is obviously the lowest hanging fruit because Cohen on his own attacks his own credibility. Uh, but what Cohen said in that, he's like, I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. Believe what I brought here. Sure. Um, he brought a lot of uh, evidence. He brought a lot of written evidence uh, in the form of emails, checks, things that he had with him. And that was his main drive. Um, obviously, for him to just get up there and talk, neither Democrats or Republicans should take him at his word. Um, he's shown before he will lie to Congress. Yeah. Um, the one thing, as we talked about before this, as, that's different from before is the only thing he could have done for himself personally today um, outside of a book deal is hurt himself because if he gets caught lying to Congress again in this one, he can extend a sentence. Um, right. And as far as I know, and tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think anything he did today could reduce it. 
Uh, you're 100% right. A lot to unpack there. So to tackle that last question about reducing a sentence, no, there's nothing he can do at this time. He's got his deal with Mueller right now. He's currently cooperating with the uh, South District in New York on additional investigations that are ongoing, and he didn't really provide a lot of detail on as they are ongoing, so we don't really want them leaking that information right now. But he is providing uh, his own testimony to them, and we can assume assisting them in those investigations. If any of those SDNY investigations bear fruit, it's possible he could get a lesser sentence from them. But sitting today on the House committee being grilled by them is not helping his case at all. In fact, it, it could actually put him at more legal jeopardy because if it's proven that he perjured himself at all, he could face a lot more than three years. So there was really no benefit for him to be in front of them except to get his story out there. And again, he's cooperating with... Um New York mm-hmm. on this uh, investigation, which also he could be facing time from that. Certainly. Um, you know, he's probably got, you know, he was very careful not to bring up stuff for that investigation, which uh, if you're on the side that things probably aren't going up to par, um, kind of made you a little excited because uh, there's, it, seems, it sounds like there's some stuff out there that's really pushing uh, through New York. And uh, a lot of people do believe if Trump is brought down, that's actually the jurisdiction that's going to do it, not our, not our government. Right. And the Mueller investigation is strictly based on Russian interference in our election. This is not an investigation into Trump unless he somehow worked with the Russians directly. And that's what the investigation would uncover. But any of these other crimes that Michael Cohen is saying, the president committed campaign finance violations, things like that, would technically not be part of Mueller's purview. So that could be something that the um, South District of New York is currently investigating. So they are two separate investigations with very different scopes. And on that note... Well, I'm uh, strongly, strongly looking forward to our emergency podcast when... uh the Southern District of New York drops their drops yeah. their investigation, and we get to read that one. I think we'll be splurging for a bottle of Johnny Blue and yeah. uh, just going to town that day <laughs> so, and diving into those details. Waiting on, yeah, with bated breath. <laughs> but you also mentioned uh, a few other things. You said he came with evidence today. Really, the biggest one were a copies of some checks. So he had a personal check signed to him from uh, Donald Trump. He said this is one of 11 checks that he received as repayment for the whole Stormy Daniels incident. Essentially, Donald Trump was paying hush money to a porn star to keep his affair out of the news and away from his wife. And Michael Cohen apparently paid this um, on a out of his own pocket, and then Donald Trump was paying him back piecemeal. Yeah, I think he said it was split over 12 uh, equal payments. Yes, 35, 11 or 12, something like that, yeah. $35,000 each time. Right. So th- he presented that as evidence of wrongdoing right now, and I'll be perfectly honest, I, I don't know how that really holds up in court because it's not like the memo note on this check said payment for Stormy Daniels. So unless it did, he could just go get out of it by saying, hey, listen, he was my attorney. I paid him in a personal check. Yeah, I came in really excited about this, and uh, you squashed me. Sorry, buddy. My <laughs> my high hopes for this being a big deal. Now, I would not put it past, especially if Don Jr. was involved, them actually writing that on the check. Um, but like you said, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one to prove because um, I'm sure the people that were involved in this will perjure themselves to keep that information out of there. Absolutely. Allegedly. So funny that you actually mentioned Don Jr. there. Um, there was a very interesting quote from Michael Cohen about him that you probably really the enjoyed. Quote of the, so yeah, yeah you probably wanna, the quote of the deal. You want to tell our listeners about it? 
Um, he basically just said he is Don Jr. That is. Yeah, Don Jr.'s um, comes to decision making. What, what was the word that they actually used? The uh, he had the worst judgment. Yeah, judgment, judgment, <laughs> decision making. Not not that he was the worst in the White House or the family or the United States. On, on the planet. <laughs> he had the worst judgment of anybody on the planet. This came from his father. Um, That's got to hurt. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people make the jokes that all of John Don Jr.'s defense and all the stuff he does is to get closer to his dad, which we're not here to talk about the family dynamics, um, but it's funny. But that's got to hurt. That's got to sting a little bit. I'm sure old Donnie's going to deny it, but uh, that's that's funny. Yeah, and uh, it seems in character with what we've heard from other behind-the-scenes accounts about Donald Trump's words about his children, but it doesn't seem like Don Jr. is is the favorite in the family. Yeah. One thing that became clear through Michael Cohen's testimony here, and we can tie him and Don, Donald Trump Jr. together, it seems like Donald Trump Jr. is in a lot of legal trouble right now. He's been tied to a few different incidents here. Uh, most importantly today, Michael Cohen brought up the fact that Don Sr., President Donald Trump, knew that Donald Trump Jr. was going to attend that Trump Tower meeting with uh, Russian, essentially, operatives is what they were, knew about that. So he's opened himself up to some legal liability there. And Donald Trump Jr. lied about that to Congress, which, as we know from the Republicans who were grilling Michael Cohen today, lying to Congress is inexcusable. And man, it's Do you- the way they reacted today was on par with treason the way they treated Cohen. Do so. you think they'll keep that same energy if he's brought in front of Congress, it, Jr.? Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, no. absolutely not. No, it's the president's son. And a lot of them look like they were out there to take a bullet for the president today. And My I question, can't imagine that they'd hold Donald Trump Jr. to the same standard that they're holding Michael Cohen. I agree with you that Trump Jr. is in a lot of legal trouble. And other than the theory that it does all this to get closer and gain acceptance from his father, which could be a real thing. What, what, why was he just the patsy in this deal? Was Trump smart enough to just send him into stuff he didn't want to do personally? Or was he just like, you know, let me, let me go out here and make some stuff happen. Honestly, and this will be entirely speculative. So well, this, but, is a, this is an emergency podcast. Yeah. We're here to speculate and give opinions sometimes. It's not but I, I wouldn't be reporters. surprised if Donald Trump Jr. was just looking for approval and thought that this is a way to prove his worth to his father in the campaign and bring in dirt on Hillary Clinton Okay, and went out on a limb to do it. So will this tie back directly to Donald Trump? Michael Cohen seems to think so. Uh, he thinks that Donald Trump knew in advance that Donald Trump Jr. had these plans to meet with the Russians about Hillary Clinton's emails and dirt on her campaign. But do we have hard evidence of that? Probably only Robert Mueller knows at this point. Yeah. Cohen's other quote that I, can I just read the other one that I like the most? And I may be skipping ahead. I'm sorry, but it just kind of came to me. Go for it. He said, I'm responsible for your silliness because I did the same thing that you're doing now for 10 years. I protected Mr. Trump. I can only warn people, the more people that follow Mr. Trump as I did blindly are going to suffer the same consequences that I'm suffering. It just popped up on my phone. I just, that, I thought that was the best thing is they were attacking his credibility, obviously because of the lies. He was basically showing them a mirror of what exactly what they're doing is they were right. basically acting as Trump's attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire Republicans. So that was the Republicans' mo today was putting up walls and attacking Cohen's credibility from the start, and they were convinced that if they could make Cohen look like a liar, that anything he says about Donald Trump is also a lie. And 
one of the Democratic congressional leaders there actually made what I thought was a great point. He said, look, if we're going to go and say that a convicted, he's a, a convicted felon at this point for yep, lying. Absolutely. Um, Disbarred yesterday. Right. That a convicted felon's testimony isn't valid because he lied in the past, then sorry, but every criminal case we've ever tried and every organized crime case we've ever tried is just null and void because you're saying you can't trust the word of a criminal, except yeah. that's how you get some of these organizations taken down by flipping people down below who might have lied and stood up for their boss beforehand and then finally had enough at a certain point when it got too hot for them legally and decided to turn the tables and cut a deal. It's actually dangerous to say that because you think of these people that are always kind of trying to retry their cases. I mean, if that's true, RICO laws are all gone, right? That's done. And, and the congressman even, actually made that point, yeah, too. Yeah, you couldn't yep. even... Uh, <laughs> it's done. I mean, there's yeah. no wiretaps now. You're not you're not putting informants out there. Um so, yeah, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. And th those of you who might not know what a RICO law is, um, that's essentially a law that was created in the 70s to take down organized crime, where you can get an underling, essentially, to confess to a crime and say, my boss signed off on this. And even though you don't have that boss committing the crime, he is also legally liable for it. So it's a way to take down, say, like a mafia don that is winking and nodding, like, hey, go take care of this for me. If you want to do some research on this, like a real deep dive, watch The Wire. Yeah, that's actually a great actually, example of it. Yeah, the best show ever. And uh, it'll bring you all through Rico. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could actually start a Wire podcast. I love The Wire. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so while Republicans were focused on stonewalling, Democrats seemed to be taking Michael Cohen's testimony at face value. So they were saying that there is value to this. We do believe that Donald Trump committed some of these crimes or at least knew about them. So he had, he's open to some legal liability that way. Yeah. He was asked by uh, one of the congressmen from Illinois if Cohen was aware of any further illegal activity or wrongdoing by Trump that hadn't been discussed yet in that committee or in Cohen's testimony that he produced in paper form last night. And he flouted just said yes. And he said, again, those are investigations being looked at by the uh, Southern District in New York. So definitely more to come on that front. Yeah. Which that would be very interesting to watch unfold. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple other things that came out um, that just real interesting kind of hit points. One of the things that kind of caught me, not by surprise, because I wasn't believing it then. But Are we beyond surprise at this point with a lot of the Cohen <laughs> under, you know, he very flatly said that he did not believe to the best of his knowledge and being very you know involved in this, that Trump was ever under audit for tax returns. Which means that entire time that Trump said that he was not releasing his taxes because he couldn't because he was under audit uh, might have been a mistruth. Really, uh, he seems like the most truthful person. It's I wild. Know, so I know you got. It's like, very hard for me to believe. I'm gonna have to sit down, have yeah, a drink, have and, a drink of your beer. Yeah, think about that for a second. Yeah, let me mull that over. It's possible that somebody running for president and then becoming president may have told a fib. Unheard of. Unbelievable. <laughs> One of the more interesting things that happened during this... I thought it was gross. Gross is a good word, too. Uh, you're right. Correction. I'll say it. one of the grosser things that happened today was uh, Representative Mark Meadows bringing in um, a Trump staffer from HUD, Lynn Patton, to prove that Donald Trump isn't racist because she works for Trump. And she happens to be a black woman. So obviously, since he's employed a black woman, he can't be a racist guy. Yeah, it's uh, she didn't speak. Um, she stood behind him. He basically said, you know, she chose to work from him and 
it's racist to say that Trump is a racist because if he was a racist, then this woman clearly would not work for him because why would you work for a racist? There's a bazillion things wrong with this. First of all, there are millions and millions and millions of people employed in this country of color that work for racist people. Um, it's, you know, people need to make a living. Sometimes people have to make tough choices. Sometimes they don't know that person's a racist because they don't interact with them on a daily basis or see their outside life. So that's false off Jump Street. Cohen retorted very quickly to say that, you know, he was, um, his parents were Holocaust survivors. And, you know, he also worked for Trump um, and he is calling him a racist. So, you know, that kind of backpedal Meadows, he dropped that thing really quickly and the young lady didn't speak. So I think Cohen handled that really well. And I think an intense and important um, situation. Um, what were your thoughts on, on bringing out basically later it came up that she was used as a prop. Um, but, you know, however you want to look at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, freshman Democrat from Michigan, essentially said that using her... Uh, in this case, Lynn Patton, in the way that Mark Meadows did, essentially boiled her down to a prop, and that act in and of itself was racist. And Mark Meadows took exception to that, well, if talked over her for yeah, a good two minutes. <laughs> if you don't know, the the lady from uh, Michigan, is she white? Just No, this audience? is actually one of our first Muslim members of Congress. Is she a male? No, female. Yes, female. And he talked over her? Yes, surprising. And, and he was more offended. He came off more offended than she did by the act, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. pretty in line. <laughs> yeah, it's par for the course on that. And it's just always such a fascinating argument to me, the whole, I can't be racist, I have a black friend argument. That's so stupid. That's it's, like saying I can't be a misogynist because I have a mom. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> and yeah. I, there are still people out there that hate women, and they know women clearly. Yeah. In their family, or it's right. A lot of them can I mean, be married too. The big, I have a black friend, or I'm, you know, married to a black woman. Like any of those things, it doesn't discredit the rest of the way you carry yourself in life. So, um, it's coming stronger. I mean, Cohen flat out called Trump a racist today. It was not. He didn't work around it. He didn't pussyfoot around it. He said Trump is a racist. And, you know, a lot of the uh, Congress people are coming out and, and really saying that. Yes. Yeah, so one of the other interesting things that happened was a little bit of witness tampering by fan favorite Congressman from Florida. Alleged witness tampering from fan favorite Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who last night tweeted at Michael Cohen. This is prior to his testimony. Hey, Michael Cohen, he puts in his Twitter handle. Do you and your wife and father-in-law know about your girlfriends? Maybe tonight would be a good time for that chat. I wonder if she'll remain faithful when you're in prison. She's about to learn a lot. Ooh. Which really sounds like a threat. When was that sent? That was sent last night to him. Interesting. You know what else was interesting? And I just learned this. Gats was actually walked into the hearing today. As far as I know, he's not part of the oversight committee. Correct. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he actually came in. He was standing inside of the hearing today. Fascinating. Which is, uh, hmm. You know, on top of all of this, interesting. He's staunchly denying it. By the way, he just said he should have worded himself better. Yeah, and you and you can say, "Hey, Kevin, you're overreacting by calling this witness tampering." But a number of lawyers have come out and said, "Hey, you gotta chill out, man," because that that came off as a threat. No, it's intimidation. Yeah, absolutely. And even uh, Nancy Pelosi had to come out, and she she essentially subtweeted Matt there, saying, "I encourage all members to be mindful that comments made on social media or in the press can adversely affect the ability of the House committees to obtain truthful and complete information necessary to fulfill their duties." <laughs> so yeah, no doubt about who she was speaking about 
there. And uh, Matt actually had to come out and apologize afterwards and say that's not what I meant. So even he realized that he might have overstepped his bounds a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, you can't, I mean, this is, if we show that people in these powerful positions can influence testimony um, by way of Twitter or other social standings to get to people, I mean, this this is far-reaching. This is not just about Trump or this exact hearing. That's dangerous, dangerous precedent. If you let that go, and now people think they can start doing that, and this is on both sides, now all of a sudden there's an avenue to, you know, float things out there to make veiled threats or this wasn't very veiled by the way, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it can come in a lot of different forms. And I think that, you know, this needs to be nipped in the bud quick and fast. And, and I think they did. Yeah. I mean, let's see what they do with he it. He backed down. Let's so. see, I mean, let's see what yeah. they do with it though. I think there needs to be more than they back down. You think he needs to see some repercussions for this? And I mean, listen, I don't think he's going to get thrown out. Um, nor do I think that's probably the right, repercussion because then Trump should have been thrown out a long time ago for witness tampering. But I do think some kind of slap on the wrist is going to be important. I don't know what that is in Congress, but I do think something has to has to come of this. Maybe if I don't know if they can find him. I don't know what they can do. I'm, I'm a little ignorant on that. He, but. he could be open to an uh, ethics committee investigation yeah. based on Maybe that. they just have a hearing, slap yeah. him on the wrist around a little bit, and we leave it there. But. Yeah, that seems like the most reasonable course. If anything is going to happen, that yeah. seems like the most I do extreme. think that it... It is in our best interest, though, to have a hearing about this and talk about it. So, yeah. And they love having hearings, so why not? Well, not everyone, apparently, because a lot of Republicans today said, you know, we could be spending our time doing anything else and it'd be better for us. Miss Miller from West Virginia really went on a rant saying she did not understand why they were there, what the purpose was. It was a complete waste of time. And then proceeded to take up most of her five minutes is it complaining this where, that it was a waste of time and completely missed the irony in that. Isn't this by definition their job, though? It is. And a few Republicans on there were going with that point saying, we're now wasting taxpayers' dollars by being here. This is not what we were voted into office to do. And I entirely disagree with exactly that. This is exactly what we voted yeah. <laughs> uh, That's what we're voting for. We want oversight on our members of government. We want to make sure if that there's corruption at the highest levels that's being investigated in a bipartisan manner by oversight committees in the House or the Senate Intelligence Committee if we're talking about foreign affairs and things like that. This is the exact reason and purpose our government was built the way it was built with checks and balances. Like, yeah. this, is, this is today our original constitution and our government in action in front of your face. So now you can spend you can spend some of my tax money on this. You're taking more of it now. So you, the few extra bucks you got from me, go ahead. And making that argument makes it sound like once you're sitting there on a committee for the entire day asking questions, that the rest of the government just stops working. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, one of the Republican congressmen said, you know, while... Over the last week, we had arrests in Texas of a MS-13 member and all this. Like, Well, you weren't on the ground arresting him yourself. Your law enforcement agencies are doing their jobs as you should be doing by sitting on committees like this. You wanted to be part of this committee. This is your job. Along those lines of time wasting, and I think, I don't know if we talked about this right at the beginning, but the thing I took away most from this, and maybe I haven't watched enough of these, but just the shock that all of the Republicans that question Cohen. There were no questions to try to further get information. There were no questions to try to get to the truth of this matter because they all dug in on, you've never told the truth in your life one time. 
and they all dug in on trying to ruin his character. And not one of them tried to serve the people that they represent in their states, this country, because there was no, I mean, even a lead to question like we talked about, about, you know, they're ruining this guy's character for 10 years, calling him a terrible lawyer, but not making the obvious connection that, wow, you're this bad, terrible person that's never told the truth. And the president of the United States employed you personally for 10 years. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. My biggest just like, what the, where are we? <laughs> how did you feel that none, none? I mean, I guess we knew it was going to happen. Right. How did you feel that none of them tried to further any information here? I honestly wasn't surprised. It is what they were brought in there to do. They're all just running interference for Donald Trump at this point. Their bigger focus was on loyalty to the president than to the facts. And like you said, none of them asked questions. Because even if, say you think Michael Cohen's a liar, and he is a convicted liar, like that's... That's out there. Easy. I'm yep. not saying that this guy's an angel. Don't get me wrong. But say that there is a smidge of truth to anything that he brought up today. That should shake every single member of that oversight committee to their core if they truly care about this country and the institutions that keep it running. Because he is talking about corruption at the highest level of government in the presidency, on the way to the presidency during the campaign with yeah. these Stormy Daniels things. And they just don't care. Steal an election. <laughs> it's bad, bad business. And I, I'm not sure if it raises itself to the level of criminality, but you can make the case that there's some fraud there. It might not be criminal fraud, but it was dishonest and therefore I think immoral, especially for someone that's supposed to be leading the free world. Yeah. So I think they should take it a lot more seriously than they did. I, again, not surprised that they reacted the way they did. It was easy for them too because of the conviction against him. I mean, right. they, they didn't have to go out of their way to make a case that this was a farce. Absolutely. Um, you know, but hopefully some of the proof he brought there um, will, will lead to something. I did see, and just so uh, Cohen made another comment kind of as we move forward from this, um, he did say he strongly believes if Trump loses in 2020, there will not be a peaceful transfer of power. Uh, and that's probably a topic for another day, but yeah. I just want to get I mean, your quick kind of 3,500 feet view of, uh, you know, we're definitely going to get into a little more what we see going on here, but I never even thought about that, about him losing and, you know, <laughs> having to turn the government over peacefully. Um, that's a real thing, huh? One of the most amazing things about America in general is that, you know, we've existed for, you know, 200 plus years and have always had a peaceful transition of power from one party to the other. They just hand the keys over, essentially. And, and some are even helpful, and yeah. some They'll stay in there. They'll work hand-in-hand hand to say, hey, this is the easiest way to get your team up and running. Here are the biggest things we were working on. They might not be your priorities, but here they were. And the transition is always peaceful, and over the last few administrations, very cordial. Yeah. As well, from all accounts that uh, I've heard, even going party to party. And even the Obama to Trump one was, there was nothing right. really there. Even Donald Trump himself had nice things to say about Obama yeah. after, which might have been They didn't first. talk to each other a lot in front of camera, right. but there was nothing there. There was no gossip, nothing. Yeah. So now it's, but anyways. And the <laughs> idea of a non-peaceful transition, I'm not sure if I'd go that far because that's almost, that's expecting almost like a civil war. And I don't want to go to that extreme. I do think... It Donald Trump would be one of the first people to yell voter fraud if he doesn't win. Oh, 1,000% that's happening. And he, he, he tried doing that when he won. Yeah, he claimed voter fraud when he won. So. so that is certainly something that concerns me. But the only way you can combat that, if you don't think Donald Trump is an effective president, 
And I personally do not. I know a lot of our listeners that I've spoken with do. And it's not a knock on you, but for the rest of the people that don't think he is, the only voice you really have is to get out there and vote. So if you think that he's not an effective president, you think that he's a danger to the institutions of America, then in 2020, your only recourse is to vote him out of office and make a show of force that you can't even say these margins were close enough that fraud could even be considered in the discussion. That's the big thing. If you if you're sitting there thinking there's no way this guy is going to win again, so I my vote doesn't matter. Um, you know, I hope you're right. I hope there's no way he's going to win this again, but it may actually come down to what the margin is to make this. I mean, we need a we need a blowout here. <laughs> we don't need something that's razor thin by one state and you know the amount of votes that even that came between um, him and Hillary get out there. If you, if you believe in this stuff and if you're listening to this, you must care a little bit. Um, you know, this is, this is the time to really get out there and vote. So, yeah. And on the topic of voting, if you're looking to get involved in 2020 or prior to that in any local campaigns, you can join swing left. It's an organization that helped flip the house in 2018 In 2020, their mission is to flip all the houses and they can be found at swingleft.org. Check them out. It's a great organization. So I know we just threw a ton of information at you all, so let's just break this down into what we actually learned today. Uh, Number one, Michael Cohen says that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, was aware that Don Trump Jr. was going to attend a meeting with Russians at Trump Tower to get dirt on the Clintons. So he even suggested that Mueller has evidence. Really means that Don Jr. is in a lot of trouble because he perjured himself, essentially. Two, Trump violated campaign finance laws with regards to his payments to Stormy Daniels. So that's worth uh, looking into in the future. Uh, number three, he says Trump's taxes were never under audit. So it seems like that might have been a little bit of a fib. And we'll see if any of the House committees subpoena those taxes. And four, I feel the need to reiterate this. It seems like Michael Cohen had no benefit attending this meeting today. No personal benefit. I'm not trying to be here as a Michael Cohen apologist. But honestly, all he did was open himself up to more jail time if he potentially lied to Congress, and that could be proven. So it seems like he genuinely wanted to get his story out there. And I guess we'll watch that unfold and see if he's proven right and history looks at him in a positive light for essentially becoming a whistleblower. So that about wraps up our emergency podcast today. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Again, I'm Kevin Wilson, joined by my co-host Jeff Fenner, and this has been the Drinking Liberally podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod, or check out our website at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great one, everyone. Cheers.